Hey folks, welcome to Unsong. Unsong, newly sponsored by Tizer. Tizer and, and Feast Ice Lollies. Feast Ice Lollies <laughs> and retro snacks everywhere. Uh, if you listen to our episode in Placebo recently, you'll know that throughout both parts of that, <laughs> uh, we were littering on about the Tizer that was in uh, front of us. Uh. I was just saying to Mark before we started here, it sent me down a rabbit hole of uh, nostalgia snacks. Yeah. Um, Vicky sent us uh, Fiendish Feet. Do you remember those little yeah. yogurts uh-huh. and cartons that were like horror characters? Mm-hmm. My entire childhood has become like a kind of member berries uh, <laughs> cascade of nostalgia snacks now. Yeah. So, uh, if you run an ice cream van and want to get rich quick, <laughs> drive drive by this place. Uh, but yeah, talking about nostalgia, Mark, uh, we're going to do an episode of Unsong and usually somebody picks the episodes, but I think we both pretty much were like, we got to do that episode. Yeah. That's a fucking belter. Fascinating as well. <laughs> it's so <Turns> fascinating. <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, we're doing Duo American by D- uh, R- say Dick Derringer. Rick Derringer. <laughs> Rick Derringer. <laughs> I am a Real American that you probably more widely associate with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is a song that I think we, we've played this in this show a lot for various reasons, you know, theme tunes, wrestling episodes, fucking, basically any excuse we could find mm-hmm. to play this song. It's a fucking iconic bit of uh, retro kitsch, mm. uh, but it's got a lot more to it as yeah. well. Occupies that same space as a touch, doesn't it, by Sam or Stan? Sa- uh, St- uh, Stan Bush. Stan Bush, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sam Cook. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> you got the touch. <laughs> um, Yeah, it, it does a wee bit. I'd say probably even more so because the touch was for people that had seen the Transformers animated movie, whereas I don't know anybody that grew up in that era that didn't at least have a brush with Hogan. Yeah, I mean, right up until God, his reign of terror <laughs> <laughs> um, was at least until the mid even mid two thousands in the WWE, WCW, and then obviously TNA when he didn't have this theme song because he couldn't use it. Yeah, they had some fucking other stupid thing, the immortal Hulk Hogan. There's there's maybe some mutant. Porch baby out there somewhere that's been kept in a basement because of their wonky self, but uh, <laughs> didn't see Hulk. But even then, yeah, probably probably saw them through the air vents. Totally. I mean, <laughs> yeah, th- this this song came out the year I was born. Wow, it's interesting because this was the era when the first WrestleMania happened. You know, so Vinnie Mac had his eyes set on world domination, which he's summarily achieved <laughs> and still this day it has a, is achieving as now the, is in charge of WWE again which is fucking terrifying has achieved it despite his best efforts <laughs> despite his best efforts and the best efforts of the legal team you know it's, it's <laughs> amazing because I, I'm one of the latecomers to Succession and just how great a show it is but there is a comedy version of Succession to be found in WWE, WWE. <laughs> yeah totally oh my god why have they made that yet probably because he'd sue the fuck out of them that's probably why <laughs> well, I mean you'd imagine that Rupert Murdoch's probably pretty litigious as well but yeah. you just have to change some of the names don't you yeah but I, I think the difference, the difference with WWE is though is that it can't be anybody else at least with Succession it could be any media really? mogul really mogul, I, do, do I, I mean? don't know like, man I think I, I, yeah it depends how 
bitter he was feeling. Yeah. Maybe he's not got the strength to be bitter anymore. Oh, he's, he's got loads of strength, mate. He's fucking. He's, that's well, all sprayed on strength, man. I mean, he has. He has. Um, obviously, he's just sold the company to UFC, right? Or to well, UFC Endeavor are starting a new company with WWE. Well, they're going to be like basically the, the one company, so they won't be able to slag each other anymore. No, they'll probably end up having wrestlers in UFC. That'll be fucking weird, man. Um, but like he's now basically just back not CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, just not CM Punk. Um, he's he's now kind of back in charge of creative at WWE after retiring last year in disgrace. Yeah, so yeah. it's anything can happen with any Mac around, man. As long as he's still alive, he's always going to have his finger in some pie, figuratively <laughs> and literally. Let's, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just stick with figuratively for that one. Um, okay, so real American. There are great wrestling themes But in my opinion There is nothing that, that more perfectly taps into The whole pantomime patriotism uh, and Jingoism, shall we say Jingoism, <laughs> propaganda Turbo 80s USA failure That is also professional wrestling It's mm. the most like, like hyper-Americanised thing That I can think totally, of uh-huh. More so than any other professional sports, I think Or even any kind of media, I guess TV, film, well I suppose there's probably a good argument to be made for that maybe if a lot of action films in the 80s have got the same jingoism and the same sense oh, of masculinity definitely. and, and pantomime And this sure. song takes its cues from 100%. a lot of those a lot of those films. Um, I tried to come up with a way to summarise it. It's like Born in the USA for twats. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Without any of the sort of messaging. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the kind of textual levels. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? uh, it's got hints of Eye of the Tiger in it as well. It I mean, it's, it is... A big amalgamation of 80s bombast and jingoism and Americana. Um, and yeah, I think it's no coincidence that it automatically makes me think of not just Rocky, but Rocky IV. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so it's funny, Ricky, uh, Ricky, Ricky, Ricky Balboa. <laughs> Vicky asked us, uh, said, asked us recently what was number one when we were born, right? Yeah. And when I was looking up that online, I came up across a generator, and the film that was at number one in the box office when I was born was Rocky IV. Well, okay, I didn't even realise it was quite that old. Mm-hmm. Yes, so let's talk a wee bit about this song, uh, the history and use of this song. We'll start with that. We'll go into obviously a bit about. Rick himself, uh, Dick Derringer. Yeah, Dick Derringer. <laughs> I've got a wee bit of wrestling trivia for all the wrestling fans. Oh, there's, there's, there's quite a bit of trivia going to pop up here. So, this actually wasn't originally uh, Hulk Hogan's tune. Mm-hmm. This song was used by US Express, which is a tag team with Mike Rotondo and Barry Windham. Barry Windham. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was '85. Yeah. So they it was originally used by US Express, and it was first used on October the first, nineteen eighty-five, in a television taping of WWF Championship Wrestling. Um, in the liner notes for the record, this is on, which we'll talk about in a wee second, mm-hmm. um, Vinnie Mac, Vince McMahon, um, dedicated it to Wyndham and Rotundo, which is pretty cool. Um, they later, I think after that recording, they jumped ship to NWA. Yeah. And then in December that year, that's when Hulk Hogan would basically and pretty was certainly given this. He wouldn't have dedicated it to them <laughs> had he known that yeah. that was in the post. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they left WWE as it was at the time. WWF. Uh, Oh, sorry, WWF, mm-hmm. as it was at the time, excuse me, uh, getting us back to front, <laughs> not the panda. Um, and the song was given to Hogan. And the thing is, it really clicked for Hulk Hogan. I mean, Hulk Hogan was a face, and he was he was going to become mm-hmm. the face of the company. Yeah. Um, this was a face tune, mm-hmm. big, punch-the-air, kind of like American propaganda, yeah. effectively. Um, it also had that 
bonus of emphasising how he was pitted against uh, the Russian wrestler Nikolai Volkov yep. and uh, effectively the Iranian wrestler uh, the Iron, Iron Sheik, Sheik who's yeah. still, have you, you see him on Twitter? <laughs> he's fucking amazing his Twitter's on fire man <laughs> the guy's really really nailed it he's like James Blunt yeah <laughs> um, but uh, yeah and uh, as you said like Hogan used this for most well, he used it for all his first stint he used it for most of his returns except that kind of new world order yeah, period didn't he he used the, the what's that, what's the name for that song Rock something the biggest icon in wrestling Yeah, yeah, I can't best forgotten. Yes, um, Curtis Axel used this as well. Yeah, so this is when I, this is when I can pop out some trivia no, right, leash, right here. Unleash. So um, it's interesting that Curtis, you brought up Curtis Axel because uh, Mike Rotunda, as he was called at the time, Mike Rotundo, but his real name was Mike Rotunda. He later came back to WWE as IRS. Wrestling fans of a certain generation will remember that character. Yeah, the tax man. Yeah, basically, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, he's the son of Blackjack Mulligan, who was quite a famous wrestler in his own right. But he's the father of Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas, who Bray Wyatt's a current question mark <laughs> WWE yeah, superstar. It's hard to tell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and Bo Dallas is—he's been rumored to have been re-signed. Um, so that's really interesting because uh, as what would happen with Curtis Axel, Curtis Axel would then later go on to use this same tune, <laughs> uh, which is f- fucking totally bizarre bit of trivia. But I'm, I'm really excited to share this because I thought it's fucking brilliant. Um, so Curtis Axel is actually Mister Perfect's son. Okay. And he actually teamed with Bo Dallas, uh, Mike Rotunda's son, in a tag team called the B Team. Um, but before that, um, he was part of a very short lived, and I'll tell you why it was short lived in a second, uh, team called the Meta Powers. So basically, what, what had happened, right, okay. is uh, the wrestler Damien Sandow uh, came out dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage and called himself Macho Sandow, right? Mm-hmm. And the, uh, he came across Curtis Axel and they, they did the very famous Mega Powers handshake, which if you haven't seen it, just Google Mega Powers handshake. That's when Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage became the Mega Powers and it's oh. just hilarious, really slow, pure manly as fuck handshake thing <laughs> happening. So he did that. Curtis Axel became a face, then they became a tag team. Face means a good guy. Yeah, good guy. New listeners. Yeah. And then um, from then onwards, they became the Meta Powers. Uh, and he started coming out dressed as Hulk Hogan, while Damien Sandow came out dressed as Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, that lasted for two months until July 2015, when WWE fired Hulk Hogan for his now infamous sex tape and racist tirade. One of the most famous sex tips. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, so that's fucking, that's just the way that it comes full circle back to basically <laughs> the original people that had this song. It's like pretty fucking funny. <laughs> uh, sexual misadventure always is the downfall of things in the WWE as yeah. well. Um, so you mentioned the, the record this was from, which is the wrestling album. It, was, mm. it came out in 1985 on Epic Records. Uh, it was 10 tracks and it was the first ever album released by what was then WWF, what would become WWE, the first of many, 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 yes. many records. Um, that album itself, the whole concept behind it, was partly conceived of by a guy called David Wolfe, who was then Cindy Loper's boyfriend. Yeah, she's on the record. Uh, she's on the record, we'll come to that. But she was also somebody, I mean, she was in uh, WrestleMania 1. Yeah, um, the, rock she, and, the Rock and Wrestling Connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. she was she was involved in a lot of that kind of stuff um, in uh, the video for Girls Just Want to Have Fun. That's a that's a wrestler that plays her dad. Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember What's his that? name. It will come back to me. Um, but weirdly, this song was never released as a single from that album, despite the fact that like "Grab Them Cakes" by the Junkyard Dog was and <laughs> two others as well. Yeah. 
they heard this and didn't think oh this has got single potential perhaps because this didn't actually have a specific wrestler attached and also Rick Derrick didn't write it for WWE because it didn't have anybody attached they maybe didn't think it brought a spotlight on it was it was credit to the WWF All-Stars at the time that's, a, that's Hulk Hogan's original Steam tune you're talking about the Rick oh is, it, is that the one that was uh-huh. WWF All-Stars yeah. oh this one was Rick Derrick yeah. the other one right so talking of which then you've got on that album there was also a track called Hulk Hogan's Theme mm-hmm. Which is fucking brilliant. It's just this like <laughs> weird synth wavy eighties mm-hmm. electronic cheesy as fuck type stuff. Turbo eighties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was used for the Hulk Hogan cartoon, I believe mm-hmm. that one. And it was the same tune before he got this as well. It just didn't, yeah, it just didn't click yeah. the fans. It was used, at, I think, at the end of like, a few wrestling videos as well, in the mm-hmm. closing credits of the home VHSs. It features a sample from Survivor's Eye of the Tiger. There's, oh. there's, there's a vocal sample in oh, that. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's one of the wailingest solos of the entire <laughs> decade. So the Hulk Hogan theme was written by Jim Steinman, right? Yeah. Um, Jim Steinman, Meatloaf's Meatloaf collaborator, collaborator, the guy that wrote yeah. Bat Out of Hell, basically. Um, when, when that was binned by WWE's Hulk Hogan's theme tune, a year later he then used it on Bonnie Tyler's debut album and it became the song Ravishing. Um, which is also a fucking brilliant song. Yeah, <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> adapted that wrestling yeah. tune into a proper, fully fledged pop song. Take, he took his toys and definitely went home and decided to do something better with it. And I think it, it has to be all the better for it, shall we say? You know, so. Bonnie's going to make another appearance in this, which is <laughs> mad. Um, yeah, it, the, in terms of usages of Real American elsewhere, it's it's quite interesting and controversial. It was used by Barack Obama at the White House Correspondence Dinner when he revealed his birth certificate <laughs> <laughs> as a sort of slapback uh, against Donald Trump and the whole birther movement that mm-hmm. claimed that you know he was Nigerian or something. And that he, yeah, blah blah blah. You can look that up. Um, but ironically, it was also used. Uh, I think it was in four different campaign videos by Trump. And one of the most interesting usages was Hillary Clinton used it, but she used it when she was standing for the nomination for the Democratic Party mm-hmm. against Barack Obama. Now, I don't think for a minute that Hillary Clinton, Clinton intended this, but having the song Real American against a black man who was about to be embroiled in a birther scandal mm-hmm. actually doesn't look good in hindsight. It really doesn't, no. Yeah, I mean, I, I, honestly, I think that's a gaffe. I think yeah. that's a sort of... Uh, the thick of it level gaff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> or uh, Veep, Veep, maybe yeah. it's more appropriate. Now, uh, the song credits, let's talk about that a wee bit. So it's written and recorded by Rick Derringer, okay? But not just by Rick Derringer, okay? The vocals on it as well were by a guy called Bernard Kenny. And Bernard Kenny actually co-wrote this song, um, according to very reliable sources. And he's not credited for the vocals either. Derringer's comments on it were, uh, My writing partner Bernard Kenny and I sat down one night in 1984 and we had the idea to write the most patriotic song of all time. Mm -hmm. We were really proud Americans Mm -hmm. and we wanted to express 
express that in the song. So that was the whole objective behind it when we sat down. A few hours later, the song Real American was born. After it was written, we actually played it and it brought us to tears. We knew we had done such a good job and it was destined to be a hit. You just imagine those two fucking chodes standing up and saluting with like tears running down yeah. their cheeks as they play Real American in their house. Um, a guy called Jimmy Brawlower... Uh, weird fucking name It was was a drummer on the track And he's spoken out about it quite a bit Now first of all he actually gets on pretty well with Derringer He's not having a go at him But he has also pointed out that uh, Bernard Kenny was totally overlooked in the credits And uh, he said Bernard is the unsung hero of this song You haven't heard that voice anywhere else Unfortunately that was a big break for him And he got shut down in terms of getting credit One of those old great music biz stories I remember him having a bit of a bug up his ass about getting sort of screwed out of his credit for this thing. Mm. So, yeah, so actually, this wasn't purely a, a Rick Derringer joint, if you know what I mean. It, it was made in collaboration, but the other guy kind of got elbowed out of history yeah. on it. And that guy didn't really do anything else, despite the fact he can clearly sing. I couldn't mm. find anything else about him. That's sad, man. Yeah. So, there's the, but there's different versions of this now as well. So, a new version was done with Rick actually singing on it, which he, I'll cut in. Uh, that re-recorded version has tweaked lyrics and includes things like there's a line in it, best not mess with my US. But uh, that version was premiered on Infowars with Alex Jones. Oh, God. That's it. That was its first airing. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rick Derringer wasn't done with Infowars by then, by the way. Um, during later Hulk Hogan entrances on WWE, they, they had revised the lyrics, you know, things like uh, things to do with fight for the rights of every man became mm. fight for the rights of everyone. Uh, and actually, the, the theme song <laughs> with the updated lyrics was performed by Chad Kroger. <laughs> um, I'd love got, to see it uh, It's got lyrics like If you hurt my friends Then you hurt my pride I gotta be a friend I shan't pick a side Cool Nice right. one Chad <laughs> uh, Which I mean talking about that guy Getting uh, elbowed out of history here We should talk about Rick Derringer Because we're going to bring a lot of threads together here. He, he premiered on Infowars. That's a bit of an interesting one. He bumped that guy off out of the history of it. That's an interesting one. You know, it was used four times by Donald Trump. That's an interesting one. People who listen to this podcast regularly will know that Rick Derringer has actually been mentioned in a Nexus before. Mm. And you're about to find out why. And the little light bulb will go off above your head, okay? But to start with, Rick Derringer sang vocals on the McCoy's 1965 number one hit, Hang On Slippy. As was kind of typical for songs of that era, the song had been written by a band called The Strange Loves, and they wanted to find somebody to to, re- to record it. But that song kept yesterday from the the number one spot in the charts. Um, Rick Derringer went on to do three world tours with Ringo Starr's band. Oh wow! Yeah, clearly no hard feelings for keeping yesterday mm-hmm. off a number one. Um, and he also had a hit in 1974 called Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was taken off of his solo record was it All American Boy or something like that? <laughs> I can't 
can't remember the name, but um, he played slide guitar and guitar for Steely Dan on some songs. He played in the track Frankenstein by Edgar Winter. He produced Weird Al Yankovic's Eat It, the cover of the version of Beat It, and Fat, which is the cover of Bad. And here we go again. He produced Total Eclipse of the Heart. By Bonnie oh, Tyler. That's not the only Jim Steinman connection. He also played guitar on uh, Making Love It and Nothing At All. And I don't know how you do it, making love out of nothing at all. Out of nothing at all. It's yeah. a fucking great song, by the way. Too long, it's got like the end vocal goes on for fucking ever. See when you see it in the Meatloaf Bit Out of Hell, um, in the Battle of Hell musical, right? Yeah. It's half as long as the recorded version. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you making us listen to that record and being really underwhelmed by the vocals. It's not, you're thinking Bad Out of Hell, but uh, oh, Bad, bad for, for Good. good. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, Bad yeah, for yeah. Good. Uh-huh. Uh, making, making Love Out of Nothing at All is, was a song by Air Supply, who also did um, I'm All Out of Love. I'm all out of yeah, love. They, okay. did that, they did that as well. Um, but j- they were looking, they were working with those different songwriters, and Jim Steinman had the song. It's like, do you guys want to do it? All right, and, and he did it. So there you go, man. Um, so I think perhaps the feather in his cap is that Rick Derringer um, produced three songs on the soundtrack to Tom Hanks's greatest movie. Bachelor Party Bachelor Party <laughs> yeah. wow. um, I don't know if he still is He was part of a company called Voices That basically sets up and finds special events For musicians that want a bit of income And that includes Mark McGrath mm. um, What band was he the singer of? It wasn't lit It was some fucking chronic like that though Why the name so familiar But I can't remember what band he was in <laughs> <laughs> I'll cut it in <laughs> once we find out And it'll be stinking Uh, and Silverchair Silverchair Yeah, they're wow. on his roster uh, He also set up a business with his wife Under fake Chinese pseudonyms uh, Ricky Wu and Jenda too To try and get rich by writing songs for the Chinese market After Jenda is his wife's nickname uh, She had discovered Brenda something Brenda Jane or something like that She had discovered that the two biggest selling songs of all time were in Chinese And she was like, we should tap into that market So came up with these fake identities How's that going for them? Not that well because he, he, he defaulted on a mortgage at one point. So uh, he was pals with Andy Warhol back in the day oh. and hung out at the factory. Uh, presumably before he went on to become a, an evangelical Christian. Um, his personality is definitely in keeping with the title "Real American." Uh, his first solo record, the name of it, it was "All American Boy." He describes himself as a Jesus freak. Because of mm-hmm. that 97 conversion uh, Frequently champions right wing causes uh, He was interviewed by Roger Stone On Infowars A mark uh, of quality all Yeah around. Absolutely um, About his support for Trump um, In 2017 For those of you that are like They have mentioned this guy Who is he? He was charged for bringing a loaded gun Onto a flight 
Because <laughs> <laughs> he thought that was fine. I mean, he's an older guy, so how how would you just suddenly think one day that was okay? <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was an exit way back. Um, can we talk a little bit about the video for this song? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness me. So Hulk Hogan has this, uh, I don't even know what kind of guitar it is, actually, it's, um, but it, it's tiny, basically, because uh-huh. he's so fucking he's big. He's massive, yeah, he's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's miming on this guitar that looks like, it's like, it looks on him about the size of a Guitar Hero guitar on a normal person. Mm. <laughs> um, but the thing is, apparently Hulk Hogan could play bass guitar. Really? Apparently he's alright, yeah, yeah So the guys that were in the band At some point later on I don't know what the occasion was They ended up going in to do a recording of this And Hogan played bass on it And they were initially trying to show him a simplified bass line And he apparently was like That's not the real bass line Show me the real bass line, I'll do it So there you go But he, the way he tries to fake playing guitar in that video is fucking brilliant <laughs> There's a bit where it does a close-up of his hands And it's like, it's not a chord <laughs> He's just mashing his hand onto the fretboard yeah. <laughs> um, The video has a It's kind of set against a sort of supercut montage Of all these American personalities yeah, And famous uh-huh. images like George Washington And John F. Kennedy And Neil Armstrong on the moon next to the Flag and that was his Titantron music. The Titantron's the big, the big screen that they have in, the, in WWE. Um, that would that would be in the video back then. Didn't really have them except for the really big shows back then. But yeah, yeah. So he, he was a montage guy behind them, all the great moments of American history, and then spliced with him in the ring, laying, laying the smackdown. Um, the best bit for me in that video is when they start scooting around world heritage sites, well, American heritage sites, basically by superimposing Hulk Hogan in all these <laughs> yeah. different places. Like <laughs> really green crap, crap green. St- Green kind of graphics And there's a bit where he's like Face is behind Mount Rushmore <laughs> It's so fucking bad and funny um, There's also a bit in that Where it goes to the middle bit of the song Where it shows you Some nasty Middle Eastern types Burning US flags And then Hogan gets a picture Of Colonel Gaddafi And scrunches it up to the line I can't let it slide Fucking priceless stuff man Absolutely Superb. priceless stuff Um as you mentioned earlier on, another little bit of trivia, uh, the backing female vocal in it is courtesy of Cindy Loper, who's uh, credited as Mona Flambe. Yeah. What I couldn't work out is, is it her that's doing the America, like really fucking mental, like high, wild vocal? It'd have to be her, that's like her kind of vocal style. Kinda isn't it? Isn't though? I mean, it's really it's in our range. Yeah, but I guess we just never like hear her sing like that. Yeah, almost yeah. like gospelly. Like it's yeah. fucking bizarre. Um, and yeah, it's actually the, the wrestler Lou Albano was a guy that played her dad, and yeah. girls just want to have fun. Yeah, so uh, she's all over that album. She's on loads of other tracks in that record as yeah. well as uh, as uh, Mona Flambe. So it's quite interesting that she's been renamed, even though that she was quite. It must have been a record label thing. Yeah. Because the rock and wrestling connection was the the big thing that she was doing, like WrestleMania and all that. Um, I guess Vinnie Mac really wanted to kind of capitalise on making all of his wrestlers look like rock stars in the eighties. Because yeah, that's right. That's exactly the vibe. Wasn't MTV it? was yeah. a big thing, and he was trying to get in on that and have video. <laughs> that's clearly the whole point, right? <laughs> but like, I think there must have been some kind of weird deal just to allow. Rick Derringer to be completely erased from the video and for it to just be Hulk Hogan because like I said that wasn't written it wasn't written for wrestling you know he must I mean he was a guy that was involved in a lot of projects where he was writing and producing stuff that he wasn't in on and his his initial claim to fame via that McCoy's song 
he didn't write that. They wrote it and they just basically hired the McCoys to to sing it to try and help make it famous. And that was kind of reasonably common, you know. I mean, even coming out of the Motown era, that was that was a yeah. big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it was to him, it's just business. It was like, yeah, that's what we do. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Bernard Kenny felt about it right enough but uh mm. yeah he was he wasn't asked <laughs> i would imagine um but yeah uh n- i mean in terms of the song itself like sonically it never fails to amuse me how plug any the guitars oh, that's what i was going to say man <laughs> like That it, it just feels so neutered. It almost has that yacht rock feel of like the fake guitar. Yeah, it does actually sound like it's been plugged right in the desk. It's like, it's just... I think the guitar was real, but it sounds yeah. fake. Uh-huh. That, that, that's what's so fucking amazing yeah, about it. Just it lacks any kind of edge at all. And I don't know. Do you, I, I actually wonder if that's either a production choice or like because the only gear they had was shit. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it makes me think of? It see if you ever hear some of the stuff that Trey Parker and Matt Stone do for South Park and for some of their other movies as well where they I think there's one in is it basketball like, now you're a man <laughs> a man 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 <laughs> like that track has the same sonic quality as this except they're obviously doing it to, to lampoon this kind of thing what makes a man is it the power in his hands is it his quest for glory give it all you got to to fight to the top so we can know your story Fucking crappiness is so brilliant. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I get you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, drum sounds. So obviously it's the 80s. It sounds like <laughs> 80s drum yeah. sounds. The vocal in it is really pretty good for mm-hmm. a guy that never went on to do anything. Yeah. And I mean, that's what that the, the drummer guy was saying as well. Was, that boy could really sing. It was kind of a shame that he never actually took a career on. Yeah. And musically, it kind of works. Like it like, it stands up. I mean, it, it's as good a song, I think, as Eye of the Tiger. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put that out there. I think it's yeah. as good on paper. It's it's got the same fun element. It doesn't have the same fist pumping nature. It's still got. It's still you can still pump your fist to it, obviously, but it doesn't have the same immediate. I guess because it was that was in a film and this was in wrestling, which like it doesn't matter how big Hulk Hogan is, he's never going to compare to Rocky, a Rocky film. <laughs> you know what I mean? What was the what was that one where Hulk Hogan played the the, the alien uh, like Mister Nanny? No, no. Uh, suburban. No, suburban. I was thinking no, suburban. Dab. That, that's something else. Fuck. I know exactly the one you mean because it's, it's. It's. I remember watching that a lot as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> I did as well. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just remember him destroying a beach hut or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it could have been in that film. It should have been that made it. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I do think this song, if this had been in one of those big 80s movies rather than in wrestling, it would probably be... Con- I don't think it's quite at the level of Eye of the Tiger. It's not quite as culturally ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. But it is just one step down. Like, it's really well known yeah. when you stick it on because Hulk Hogan is so well known when yeah. you stick it on. I think you could have a really good debate about what is the most iconic wrestling song. But for me, this one's right up there. <sighs> Well, we'll, go, we'll stick in this song for a second before we debate some of the finer points of what you just said there. Um, <laughs> but the synth sounds in it is really good. It's the 80s, right? So they have to be good because that was a big thing. Right. 
um, see the guitar solo at the end it's it's so close and pitched to Cindy Harper's voice it's like really <laughs> difficult to figure out where one, where one ends and the other begins There's times when the guitar line sounds like it's a female vocal, and then there's other times like I can't possibly be a female vocal because she can't do that with her voice. But then she's then her voice is in the background anyway, and it's like what? Um, but the thing that always strikes me the most whenever I hear it is like I just always forget about the intro. Oh, the backward kind of yeah, and it's sort of yeah, and it's got the the keys and the kind of build up because yeah. you always get obviously the in the wrestling you always get right to the chorus, so that's just what you get. So you forget that it's got this slow build up. I've but I've seen some of the walkout videos though, and they use that to tease the crowd because it's a quiet start. It takes a few seconds for a loud crowd to hear it. Yeah, so it's it is there. It's mm-hmm. played. It's like you know you get that little the lights go down and that starts playing and then it bursts in. Even that part of it is quite iconic. Yeah, it's like. But I always forget about it. You know, I always forget because I always remember. Like, whenever I think about the song, I always remember the the, the hook. You know, um, and so I'm always struck by, oh shit, it's got that bit in it as well. Mm. That's pretty cool. It almost feels a bit out of place as well because of the just I don't know. It feels like it could be in a sci-fi. It's a film. bit experimental. Yeah, it? For, for this kind of stuff, <laughs> absolutely. I, I, top ten most iconic wrestlers. Top five most. Yeah, probably top three. To be honest, I think so. I think so. It's yeah. one of the few ones that'll probably reach out with just wrestling fans as well. Yeah, totally. Um, that and probably Stone Cold. Those two, I think, are probably the the most iconic. And who else is really that big? Um, we've done a whole ep- a whole episode on this, and none of the big ones came up because it was unsung. <laughs> um, rock, maybe, but it's just because it starts with him saying, "If you smell what the rock is cooking," like that's that's the hook. Maybe Shawn Michaels. Up and down this line, I'm just a sexy boy. Yeah, but there's not there's not many that are up competing with this one. I don't think. Yeah, there's some cool interviews with Jim Johnson, who was the 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 songwriter for the, all the entrance themes from the nineties until the until I think early twenty tens, mm-hmm. maybe maybe the late two thousands. And he always says that Hulk Hogan, uh, like Stone Cold, is the best the best one he ever did, right? Because it's got to speak to everybody and, and tell you everything you know about that character immediately. Yeah. and that's what this does. That's, this, song, that, this that, that's exactly that. it, and that's what I was saying. This cemented Hogan as a face. This, I'm fighting for justice and fight. I mean, even just, sorry, I'll chuck a couple of lyrics in here to prove. I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. Later changed to everyone. Um, fight for what's right. Fight for your life. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, you got to take a stand. It don't help to hide. Well, you hurt my friends and you hurt my pride. I got to be a man. I can't let it slide. Mm. Like, it's just so absurdly macho and do-gooder and jock and it's everything that that character was meant to be mm-hmm. and it's fucking everything that mainstream American culture was at that time yeah. and it, it also is by its very nature 
delineating the other, like the Russians and the Iranians mm-hmm. and all the kind of things that are spoofed at the start of like Naked Gun 2, yeah. you know, <laughs> and like, all of that stuff's immediately apparent from this song. It, it, it may even be accidental genius, but it is fucking genius the mm-hmm. way it landed and it all came together. Yeah. You know, when, when Hulk Hogan went to WCW and eventually formed NWO, his character was stale. It was the same character for about a decade at that mm-hmm. point. I, th- I think maybe even longer, actually. Maybe just a little bit longer. Give him a black goatee, though. Yeah. And Total revamp. <laughs> so, having that, changing it to... So, when the NWO had that, which is also quite, it's quite an iconic bit of music, the NWO theme tune, like... Like that like sort of wah guitar. <laughs> And you hear it, you know it, right? But now that after he dropped all that and after he, after he left TNA and came back to WWE, the song, even though it's been re-recorded, it's, it has a kind of different meaning now. Do you know what I mean? It's even though it's the same song because the characters change so much. Mm-hmm. It, it feels it doesn't feel as kitsch anymore. Yeah. Doesn't feel as jingoistic, even though it still very much is. This is That's the thing, though. Now that he's been done for a sex tape and caught being an overt racist, he is a real American. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. It's acquired um, a profundity that it didn't actually yeah. have the <laughs> to begin with. It all came crashing down and it hurt inside, and he's still going. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, real American. Unsung because it, I just like I said I just think it could have been as big as I the tiger. So I guess the reason it's unsung is because it's not taken as seriously as it should as a piece of music. Is that is that, is that your is that your gambit here? Yeah, a bit, but yeah, I just think it, it just did its job so brilliantly in so many ways, and as fucking stupid as it is, it, it's musically lovable as well, and it's got so much emotional kind of nostalgic baggage and pleasure for people. It's just it's a very rich cultural artifact. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just just think it, yeah, it deserves a wee bit of extra acknowledgement. I mean, who else can you name from that era? Ric Flair? Nah, not even close. Um, Matchman, Ultimate Warrior, not musically, no, nah. nah, not even close. I mean, Ric Flair's theme tune is, what is it? It's um, that really famous bit, of, uh, I want to say Ride of the Valkyries, but that's Daniel Bryan. One for, uh, uh, the Planet Suite is, yeah. Jupiter or Mars Yeah Mars, Which is iconic But not because of him Just as iconic But I mean, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. But there's nobody else From that Particularly from that era That has anything at all Memorable That I can that I can think of um, oh. Just as a closing thought If this song Had been in An action movie A la Eye of the Tiger Which action movie Would you have put it in? Um, so yeah Because he's a big guy I automatically think of An Arnie film but he wasn't actually he wasn't, a real American. Yeah, and he wasn't doing anything that was campy enough to warrant it in this era. You know what I mean? Um, some Steven Seagal film, probably. It'd have to be, right? I am going to say either totally unironic usage, Cobra, mm-hmm. or ironic usage, something with Kurt Russell, like, like Trouble in Little China. I fucking or love that film. Something like that. Or They Live. They live, yeah. <laughs> they live with the works, yeah. Uh-huh. And I think uh, you put it in. You certainly Cobra would have done better as a film if it had this song on it because it would have acquired iconic status. Was it? Was it? Was it really iconic? Seems to get a film under siege. Nah, it's not. It's not beefy enough. Need more beef. 
That was Seagal's problem, just wasn't it beefy enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now he's a Russian sympathiser. We'll finish on a dirty note to Stephen Seagal. Yep. Catch you later. Bye.